Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. Now, in its 175th year, Hillsdale is a truly independent institution where learning is prized and intellectual enthusiasm is valued. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to Hillsdale for their sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. I'm Mark Levin. Our number is 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. Where to begin? Joe Biden is destroying this country. The Democrat Party is destroying this country. They are moving big and bold and fast. They're trying to outrun the public, trying to outrun those parts of the media that are serious about informing the American people. And they're trying to run out the clock because they know in two years they might lose some part of the government that they now control. As I've said many times, this is not the way America is supposed to function. This is not how a constitutional republic functions. We're no longer a federal republic, a representative republic, or a constitutional republic. And Joe Biden likes to say, in a fortune cookie-like statement, who's going to win out, democracy or autocracy? And the damn fool doesn't realize he's an autocrat. Autocracy is winning out. And the reason autocracy is winning out is because Joe Biden is an autocrat. And he's implementing the neo-Marxist policy of the radical left within his party. Foreign policy, too. But we focus on domestic right now. They just passed 10 days ago, without any Republican support, A $1.9 trillion so-called coronavirus relief package. The problem is only 9% of it actually went to coronavirus-related spending. Moreover, they want to make permanent aspects of this bill, so it's actually a $3.3 trillion bill. $3.3 trillion. Today he's proposing a $2.3 trillion bill. 2.3 on top of 3.3. That's $5.6 trillion. 
on top of a $4.5 trillion budget, on top of $6 trillion that was already spent to address the coronavirus when it was spreading. And that's on top of another $6 trillion that the Federal Reserve was authorized. The Federal Reserve was authorized to give out in loan monies. We can't even keep track of the money that's being spent, ladies and gentlemen. Not even close. We are going to pay a price for this reckless, unconscionable, diabolical effort by the Democrat Party to flood the zone, to place as many people as possible on welfare and in our welfare system, to subsidize as many people as possible, to use the Marxist propaganda of class warfare and redistribution of wealth, and to cause people to believe that we can literally massively deficit spend ourselves into prosperity. All this going on, even though a month ago, even though a month ago the Congressional Budget Office, among others, predicted that we would have upwards of a 10% growth this GDP, 10% with under 6% unemployment. This isn't a depression. This isn't World War II, as I explained last week. This is a disgrace. This is all being done so Joe Biden can be the, the great progressive, really, neo-Marxist, if you will, and even more than that. He's a disgrace because he lied his way into the White House. This is just the first half. We've had 1.9 trillion, that's actually 3.3 trillion. We have 2.3 trillion that he's announced now, and there's going to be another over 2 trillion, close to four and a half to five trillion dollars in two bills here. His first one is the American Jobs Plan. The next one is the American Families Plan. I don't know about you, but when I think of family, I don't think of government. In fact, if I do think of family and government, I'm thinking of government. Destroying the family. Now in this so-called bill, he would eliminate right to work. 27 states, a clear federalism issue. He would eliminate, slip language into this bill that eliminates right to work. What is right to work? What's the principle? It affirms the right of every American to work for a living without being compelled to belong to a union. Compulsory unionism in any form, union shop, closed shop, agency shop, is a contradiction of the right-to-work principle. So what Biden would do is take the, the state laws that exist in these blue states and impose them on the red states. So that, in fact, unions in particular private spheres of our economy could compel that individuals must join the union in order to work. Why is Joe Biden doing this? Because he owes them, that's why. Why won't Joe Biden demand that the Chicago school system and L.A. school system open their schools? Because he needs them, that's why. This is really quite shocking. Talks about autocracy. He's an autocrat. 2.3 trillion, part of this bill. 174 billion dollars for electric cars. 
Only $115 billion out of $2.3 trillion. Not even the $0.3 trillion part, $300 billion. Only $115 billion are for roads and bridges. Please listen to me. Only $115 billion out of the $2.3 trillion are actually for roads and bridges. $213 billion. They're going to build 2 million homes. The federal government's going to build 2 million homes, $213 billion. I'm sure nothing will go wrong with that. So it's in the home building business. It's going to be in every business. $10 billion for a civil climate change core. So we're now going to have young people indoctrinated as degrowth, anti-capitalist zealots. $10 billion for a climate, civil climate core. How about a civil capitalism core? Or a civil liberty court? No. Indoctrination of the next generation. $100 billion to address the racial equity issues in the job market. $100 billion to address the racial equity issues in the job market. You see exactly what's going on here. He's an autocrat. He's a demagogue. He's using your tax money. He's using money we don't even have. Future generations are going to suffer regardless of background, race, religion, or anything else. Money flying in every direction to support the radical neo-Marxist agenda. Because this dim-witted, nasty old buffoon wants a legacy. He wants to be remembered as the greatest progressive in American history. So you're going to pay the price. Your children and grandchildren are going to pay the price. I don't care who we are, union, non-union, Democrat, Republican, you're going to pay the price. So look at the anarchy and chaos this man has created in the first hundred days. This phony relief bill, the American Jobs Plan, which will destroy jobs, Infrastructure, only $115 billion out of $2.3 trillion actually going to roads and bridges. Next, the American Family Plan, which will be a flat-out redistribution socialist plan, a neo-Marxist plan, hatched by Ayach and her ilk. The border's wide open. It's only getting worse. We may have 2 million illegal aliens in here. In one year, the first year of the Biden administration, does he seem concerned about it? He's laughing about it. He thinks it's a joke. Kamala Harris actually did laugh about it. Future Democrats, that's how they see things. Remember what I said. Remember what I always say. This is about the United States of the Democrat Party, not the United States of America. I hope my friends on cable pick that up. The United States of the Democrat Party, empowering the Democrat Party, Expanding the reach of the Democrat Party. More and more people bound to the Democrat Party through the welfare state and the federal government. The federal government has become the Democrat Party's plaything. And then I look at the headlines of the story about what Biden's actually proposing here. It's, it's repulsive. It's disgusting. Let me pull this back up. Biden. Let's see, news, headlines. 
Biden unveils sweeping $2 trillion infrastructure plan. That's NBC News. Really? It's a once in a generational investment in America. Biden unveils ambitious $2 trillion infrastructure plan. That's CBS. This is why three fourths of the nation don't know what the hell's going on. The Associated Press Biden announces huge infrastructure plan to win the future. Los Angeles Times. President Biden bolstered by strong marks on COVID-19 pandemic. Paul finds. What else? Washington Post. With political future at stake, Biden returns to Pennsylvania to rally voters around economic agenda. What else? Just appalling. Meanwhile, Joe Biden won't stop lying about his tax plan. That's a perfectly good headline over there at National Review. I want you to listen to me because this man is a serial liar and plagiarist. Philip Klein, making the pitch for his infrastructure and tax hike plan, President Biden said, quote, I start with one rule. No one, I'll say it again, no one making under 400000 will see their federal taxes go up, period. No one. But this is a lie. White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki explained that the 400000 refers to families. In other words, people would combine household incomes of $400,000. That's the only way for the Biden plan to produce the revenue it claims to rise, uh, to, it needs to, to raise the funds, it says. By definition, no one refers to one single person. And so the plainest interpretation for an average person watching today is that he's talking about individual income. No one. No one. But if you're a family and your combined income is $400,000, you're going to have the hell taxed out of you, too. You understand? That's why he keeps saying no one who earns $400,000 or less. No one. But families will be taxed. Small businesses will be taxed. These people are liars. They're deceivers. They're as dishonest as they come. These bills combine not only the unheard of, unthinkable, unimaginable amounts that they're talking about, but the level of interference in families and businesses and jobs, the racism, the sexism that this man and his party are pushing are an abomination, an absolute abomination. And they're moving fast because they know by the time we catch up with them, it'll be too late. It won't matter what the voters do in two years. That's their bet. It just won't matter because they already will have done all the damage they intended to do. And so what if they lose in two years and they lose an election cycle? They figure they'll be back in four years to take the presidency. And whatever happens, they'll blame Trump. And I'm sick and tired of the way Biden disrespects President Trump. So for now on, President Biden will not be called President Biden on this microphone. He'll be called 
Biden because his references to President Trump are constantly Trump. Got that? Biden? I'll be right back. Mark Levin. Hillsdale College serves four purposes, learning, character, faith, and freedom. Education and faith thrive in freedom, and freedom requires an educated people of good character to preserve it. Hillsdale College has been providing the education needed to preserve free government for over 175 years. It continues these efforts today. Not only its 1,500 undergraduate and graduate students, but nationwide through its free online courses, its support of classical K-12 through charter schools, and its other outreach efforts on behalf of liberty. Hillsdale's Articles of Association, dating way back to 1844, commit the college to preserving civil and religious liberty through the provision of sound learning. This learning includes the Constitution and the laws of nature and nature's God, as described in the Declaration of Independence. It includes America's great heritage of liberty that too often today is falsely derided or denied. Hillsdale's motto, pursuing truth and defending liberty since 1844. It will continue to fight to live up to that motto, come what may. Learn more at levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com, levinforhillsdale.com. Well, we learned today that G. Gordon Liddy passed away yesterday at the age of 90. I didn't know him well. I knew him in passing years ago. He was a quintessential American in my view. He would not be silenced and he would not be put down. A remarkable man in many ways. Of course, the left hates him and that's one of the reasons he's a remarkable man. And he succeeded at many, many things, including talk radio. There was a time when uh, Rush Limbaugh and G. Gordon Liddy were the two biggest talk show hosts in America. I remember that well. And uh, he was an actor, an author as well. Uh, And uh, in any event, Jimmy Carter uh, commuted his sentence, uh, which was a good thing that Jimmy Carter did. But he will be missed. And I didn't want time to go by uh, where I would uh, be remiss in mentioning the fact that G. Gordon Liddy has passed away. A man who made a uh, definite impact on our society. Again, the left hates him, but the left hates me and the left hates you and the left hates. So we're not worried about how they, how they view people that we, uh, that we admire. And yes, I admire G. Gordon Liddy. I'll be right back. Hillsdale College serves four purposes, learning, character, faith, and freedom. Education and faith thrive in freedom, and freedom requires an educated people of good character to preserve it. Hillsdale College has been providing the education needed to preserve free government for over 175 years. It continues these efforts today. Not only its 1,500 undergraduate and graduate students, but nationwide through its free online courses, its support of classical K-12 through charter schools, and its other outreach efforts on behalf of liberty. Hillsdale's Articles of Association, dating way back to 1844, commit the college to preserving civil and religious liberty through the provision of sound learning. 
This learning includes the Constitution and the laws of nature and nature's God, as described in the Declaration of Independence. It includes America's great heritage of liberty that too often today is falsely derided or denied. Hillsdale's motto? Pursuing truth and defending liberty. Since 1844, it will continue to fight to live up to that motto, come what may. Learn more at levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com, levinforhillsdale.com. Ever notice how you come across somebody once in a while that you shouldn't have messed with? That's Mark. And you can call him at 877-381-3811. All right, folks. I want to thank you and congratulate you. We had a Levin surge to counter what Al Sharpton was trying to do, threaten mansion and cinema. Mansion of West Virginia Cinema of Arizona. Pressing them to back this H.R. 1 S. 1 bill. Which of course would destroy our electoral system and ensure the Democrats would win the presidency, the Senate and the House. Well beyond our lifetimes. In an effort to turn the nation into California. California a formerly red state now in many ways, a hopelessly blue state. And I said we needed to have a Levin surge. And we had a Levin surge for two days. And you uh, succeeded, at least so far. I put nothing past these people. And as reported in Fox News, Biden opened a breaking up controversial voting bill after Manchin opposes passing on partisan basis. Democrats' efforts at massive federal election bill appear stalled after Manchin opposes passing huge bill on party lines by Tyler Olson, Fox News. White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki said today that President Biden is open to dividing Democrats' controversial election bill into multiple parts after Joe, uh, Joe Manchin last week said he didn't think Congress should pass the entire thing at once. Now, this is their backup position. You made calls Thursday and Friday of last week. You sent emails Thursday and Friday of last week. You had an impact. This program is monitored, I won't say by our adversaries or opponents, but I now consider them our enemies on Capitol Hill, in the media, and elsewhere. So the Democrats come up with plan two. Let's break it up into small pieces because Levinites and others who oppose this They'll be caught off guard. I'm never caught off guard. We're going to keep an eye on this. Pasaki's comments come after the Senate held a heated hearing on the legislation. So America is declining trust in the government and each other makes it harder to solve key problems, Manchin said. The trust will continue to diminish unless we, as members of Congress, transcend partisanship to strengthen our democracy by protecting voting rights, implementing common sense election security reforms, and making our campaign finance system more transparent. That's kind of a stupid, meaningless statement, but it doesn't really matter, does it? doesn't really matter. So I'm just giving you a heads up. Job well done, patriots. But we need to continue to monitor this, because I don't trust Biden, the Democrat Party, or frankly, Manchin, or Cinema. We still didn't hear from Cinema, by the way. No, we didn't hear from cinema. 
But we did hear from Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez on Instagram Live last night where she did not come to the defense of the defenseless children, children of color, brown children coming across the border at the behest of Joe Biden and his imbecility, encouraging a surge, encouraging anarchy. This damn fool, giving these damn foolish speeches, he's a front man for AOC and a front man for the neo-Marxist left. He gives his speech and he hustles off the stage because he runs out of energy and, and common sense. But Aach, she goes to Instagram last night and rather than pointing out the disaster on the border because she's an absolute fraud and a fake and a phony, she attacks white people. Not Joe Biden, who I, last time I checked is a very white person, white people. Cut one, go. They want to say, what about the surge? Well, first of all, just gut check, stop. Anyone who's using the term surge around you consciously is trying to invoke a militaristic frame. Wait, 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 wait. So merge is now a militaristic frame? Surge is a militaristic frame? No, I don't think surge is a militaristic frame. It's what we call the English language. You can have all kinds of surges. You can have a surge of anti-Semitic left-wing kooks who are elected to Congress, like her. That's a surge. And I certainly don't mean that in a militaristic frame. Who is this idiot, anyway? Go ahead. And that's a problem. Because these... This is not a surge. These are children. First of all, it is a surge. It can be children, and it's not just children. It's a lot of individuals. I think I read 70% of whom are individual males. Can individual males be a surge, Mr. Producer? I think so. Go ahead. And they are not insurgents, and we are not being invaded. Which Oh, I see. They're not insurgents, and we're not being invaded. But what are we being? Here it comes. Go ahead. ...is a white supremacist idea, philosophy. It's a white supremacist idea and philosophy. So the president of Mexico is now a white supremacist. He believes there's a surge. Is he a white supremacist too? And so now you see what Each... Ayach, by the way, is a moron. She's actually quite stupid. I know there's certain commentators that say, don't ignore her, don't ignore there are, there are forces behind her, writers behind her, scholars behind her, thinkers behind her. Not particularly intelligent, but they're ideologically motivated. Just as Joe Biden needs cards and so forth, she is told what to say. And I know this because she has refused all this time to come on this program, my Fox program, my Levin TV program, she refuses to come on to a program where she would actually be challenged, okay? That's the truth. Go ahead. The idea that if an other is coming in the population, that this is like an invasion of who we are. You'll understand more of this, and you understand a lot of it already, 
in a few months. I keep referring to a few months. I can't get into specifics, but I am tackling all this. Moreover, she continued. Cut to go. So let's talk about this because so much of our national conversation, which is not a conversation. Then why uh, did you call it a national conversation if it's not a... See, we're dealing with an absolute moron who's promoted by the media. But she's an absolute moron. Go ahead. Immigration is driven by people who could not care less about immigrants. Often people want to say, why are you talking about the border crisis? Or why are you talking about it in this way? Well, we're talking about it. They just don't like how we're talking about it. Well, how are you talking about it? All you do is attack America. You attack America. People are pouring into our country. A surge, you might say. An invasion, you might say. People coming into the country. And you keep attacking America as a white supremacist nation. Then why are people of color pouring into the country? I tell you, we're dealing with an absolute idiot. Go ahead. Not a border crisis. It's an imperialism crisis. It's a climate crisis. It's a trade crisis. Oh, it's an imperialism crisis. Because you see, many, many years ago, the white man invaded. Came from Europe. Started with Christopher Columbus, actually before that. And they took over these, these lands, you see. We're talking 600 years ago, maybe 700 years ago. So we have this white imperialism. That's the problem, don't you see? Plus climate crisis. Climate is forcing these decisions by Joe Biden. And then we have the trade crisis, you see. Because capitalism somehow is an unjust system when it comes to people of color. So all these things are fusing together. That's what's called this, caused this border issue. Not a crisis, of course. Notice she hasn't said a word of compassion about the people in the Obama-Biden cages. Not a word. Have you noticed that? Go ahead. So it's a carceral crisis because as I have already said. Go ahead. Even during this term and this president, our immigration system is based and designed on our carceral system. Those are some of the problems. What about the solution? Well, number one, our solutions need to be rooted in foreign policy because our interventionist history in foreign She's policy. She's so sick. She's such a propagandist. I guess when she went to college, she was a blank slate. And the little commie tenured professors got a hold of her and filled her with this crap. And she's good at mimicking them. It's a carceral crisis, you see. Our interventionist foreign policy. It's the white supremacists who hundreds and hundreds of years ago conquered the land. You see, and this is what's doing it. Plus, capitalism is destabilizing the economy south of the border. And all these people rushing into the country. May I say rush? Is that a, uh, is that a, uh, a military term? No, all these people rushing into the country. She can't explain it. Why doesn't she? Why doesn't she explain all the people of color who are leaving the country, which are none? Why is that? If she's telling the truth, if she's right, the opposite would be happening. People would be leaving America and flooding these magnificent cultures and societies and countries south of the border. But they're not. They're flooding ours. Surging, you might say. Go ahead. In history... Ah, shut up, you idiot. 
We don't need a history lesson from you. Go put your head in the toilet. I'll be right back. Mark Levin. Hillsdale College serves four purposes. Learning, character, faith, and freedom. Education and faith thrive in freedom, and freedom requires an educated people of good character to preserve it. Hillsdale College has been providing the education needed to preserve free government for over 175 years. It continues these efforts today. Not only its 1,500 undergraduate and graduate students, but nationwide through its free online courses, its support of classical K-12 through charter schools, and its other outreach efforts on behalf of liberty. Hillsdale's Articles of Association, dating way back to 1844, commit the college to preserving civil and religious liberty through the provision of sound learning. This learning includes the Constitution and the laws of nature and nature's God, as described in the Declaration of Independence. It includes America's great heritage of liberty that too often today is falsely derided or denied. Hillsdale's motto? Pursuing truth and defending liberty since 1844. It will continue to fight to live up to that motto, come what may. Learn more at levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com, levinforhillsdale.com. I want to ask the uh, never-Trumpers, I want to ask the Bush family. I want to ask other Republicans, Sass, Kingsinger, Liz Cheney, Pat Toomey. I want to ask Murkowski, Collins, and so many other of these Republicans who take responsibility for nothing. Are you happy now that you brought us Joe Biden? Are you happy about it? This conservative never forgets. Those so-called conservative, more likely pseudo-conservative news sites, opinion sites, trashing Trump at every turn. You happy at Biden now? What do you think? Trashing Trump's policies? What do you think about these policies? You all excited about it now? How come we don't hear from the never-Trumpers? Of course, the Lincoln Project's under investigation. Apparently, one of the guys can't keep his pants up, but that's a whole other story. They made a fortune. They're happy. The Lincoln Project. How about Larry Hogan? Is he happy? The idiot baker in Massachusetts. Is he happy? All these great, progressive, forward-looking Republicans. What do you think? How come we don't hear from them now when it comes to Biden? They were trashing Trump left and right. They don't seem to be trashing Biden. If anything, they're very respectful of the man. Nothing. We don't hear a damn thing. Meanwhile, Biden's going through our, our Constitution and our economic system like Sherman through Atlanta, like crap through a goose. Or a goose, maybe. You know, the word is out. People are abandoning their overpriced wireless. You know, and before I get to this, Mark, Matt Gates, Matt Gates, Tucker Carlson, Mark, Mark, ladies and gentlemen, we learned absolutely nothing 
about Matt Gates yesterday. About the allegations that have been raised against him in the New York Times, about the allegations he's making. Everybody's befuddled. Why would I spend more than one minute on this? Why don't we wait to see how things break out? I don't understand this. People will spend an hour discussing what they don't know and how they're befuddled. The whole thing is strange. Why don't we wait and see what happens? And that's it. I'm done talking about it until we know more. So don't ask me. WJNT, Jackson, Mississippi. Don, did you say? John. John, how are you, sir? Hey, uh, Mr. Levin, thank you so much for taking my call. You bet. I wanted to ask your opinion. Uh, Thank you so much. Uh, I see uh, kind of an intellectual history line here between Jean-Jacques Rousseau and his notion of the general will Mm -hmm. uh, and the notion that the citizenry may not be aware of what's in its best interest, yet nevertheless, the legislature is empowered to implement policies in the citizenry's best interest. And the next, Karl Marx, where he has a class system with basically in the final analysis an intelligentsia who understands the laws of history and is implementing policies that are in the best interest of the proletariat. And um, presumably they don't know what's in their best interest. First of all, before we run out of time, you're right on. Rousseau, Hegel stole some from Rousseau, and Marx stole a lot from Hegel. And you're exactly right. They have certain things in common and other things they don't. But one of the things they have in common, which you're pointing out, is... They don't believe the people generally um, can look out for themselves. They certainly reject the idea that the individual has free will and that the individual can uh, uh, self-realize as as an individual, that they all have to be part of a communal. They all have to be part of something bigger. And for Rousseau, it was the state. For uh, Hegel, it was the state. And for Marx, it was for a certain state. Uh, And then that would eventually wither away. And, of course, we know the communist state rules with an iron fist and brass knuckles, and it never withers away. So you're quite right. And this is why I say the idea that progressives uh, in their most extreme form are not neo-Marxists, some of them are actually Marxists, is preposterous. And when it's time, John, we actually use the language. So you are well-read. You understand what you're talking about. You're right on. And I would encourage people, I'm not hawking it, you can go back to Rediscovering Americanism and the Tyranny of Progressivism. It lays it all out. We'll be right back. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, After watching and listening to this disastrous Biden, President Trump issued the following statement moments ago. Joe Biden's radical plan to implement the largest tax hike in American history is a massive giveaway to China and many other countries 
that will send thousands of factories, millions of jobs, and trillions of dollars to these competitive nations. The Biden plan will crush American workers and decimate U.S. manufacturing while giving special tax privileges to outsourcers, foreign and giant multinational corporations. Biden promised to build back better, but the country he's building up in particular is China and other large segments of the world. Under the Biden administration, America is once again losing the economic war with China, and Biden's ludicrous multi-trillion dollar tax hike is a strategy for total economic surrender. Sacrificing good-paying American jobs is the last thing our citizens need as our country recovers from the effects of the global pandemic. Biden's policy would break the back of the American worker with among the highest business tax rates in the developed world. Under Biden's plan, if you create jobs in America and hire American workers, you will pay more in taxes. But if you close down your factories in Ohio and Michigan, fire U.S. workers, and move all your production to Beijing and Shanghai, you'll pay less. It is the exact opposite of putting America first. It's putting America last. Companies that send American jobs to China should not be rewarded by Joe Biden's tax bill. They should be punished so that they keep those jobs right here in America where they belong. This legislation will be among the largest self-inflicted economic wounds in American history. If this monstrosity is allowed to pass, the result will be more Americans out of work, more families shattered, more factories abandoned, more industries wrecked, and more main streets boarded up and closed down, just like it was before I took over the presidency four years ago. And I then set a record low unemployment with 160 million people working. This tax hike is a classic globalist betrayal by, John, uh, by Joe Biden and his friends. The lobbyists will win. The special interests will win. China will win. The Washington politicians and government bureaucrats will win. But hardworking American families will lose. Joe Biden's cruel and heartless attack on the American dream must never be allowed to become federal law. Just like our southern border went from best to worst and is now in shambles, our economy will be destroyed. That's a brilliant statement. And in about 10 minutes, we will have Steve Moore on the program, nobody better, to unravel what Joe Biden is doing to this country. And everybody should pay attention, because it's not just the here and now. It's the future. They are going to so undermine our economic system. They're going to so undermine our financial system. They're going to drive us into such deep debt that we won't even be able to pay the interest on the debt at some point here. And I want you to look at your children and grandchildren, as I always tell you. And I want to think about, I want you to think about their future. I want you to think about their future with the racism and division that Biden and his party are promoting. I want you to think about their future with how they're destroying their education with Biden and the Democrat Party's teachers' unions. I want you to think about the surge on the southern border where millions of illegal aliens are going to enter this country during the Biden presidency and how that will impact this society. 
I want you to think about what are in these bills, hidden away, where the media doesn't report them, where Joe Biden keeps them secret, how they're going to affect the workers of this country, how they're going to affect putting bread on the table, and then the lies. Joe Biden is a liar. His $400,000 limit, he says, where anybody under $400,000 won't be taxed, is a sleight of hand. Any family that earns $400,000, any husband and wife, now use those terms, I think I will. Any husband and wife, any small business, you're going to have the, the health taxed out of you. And the idea that you can attack one sector of the economy with massive tax increases and it won't affect the other is just outrageously stupid. This economy is interconnected. When you attack our energy sector, you drive up the cost of everything in this country. For everyone in this country. When you tax successful businesses that are creating jobs and creating wealth and creating opportunities, well, they don't create much wealth opportunities once you're ripping them off to the extent you are. And all this money going to the politicians and the bureaucrats, like they know what to do with it. How do you feel about the teachers' unions and what's been done to you? How do you feel about how the government's handled immigration? How do you feel about the the virtual destruction of our health care system by Obama and Biden? Everything they touch turns into crap. Biden is a wrecking ball, as I say over and over again. That's what he is. He's a wrecking ball. And he stands up there and he pretends he's for the little guy. Can you name one policy as a senator or vice president that he instituted for the little guy? Can you name one area of the economy which he was handed by Obama that he properly managed, quote-unquote? Can't even manage his family with his son. You see the emails there, Mr. Producer? He's cheating on his wife with his deceased brother's wife, his sister-in-law. And then, in addition, this is Hunter Biden, He's cheating on his sister-in-law's sister. Did you see that? Sick bastard. But don't worry, Joe Biden said that Hunter Biden is the smartest man he's known. And I don't doubt that for two seconds. Not for two seconds. So all of a sudden, Joe Biden is bigger and better than Franklin Roosevelt. He's bigger and better than LBJ. He's bigger and better than Obama. We have to watch this idiot Destroy our economic system? Destroy our financial system? Destroy the future for your children and grandchildren? Because this guy's on a sickening personal high? We have to watch what's happening on our border. We're a laughing stock all over the world. We have to watch while he involves himself in every aspect of this country? With legislation that he hasn't even read? Well, we'll be back soon, and I will have Steve Moore with me, and we'll unravel some more of this. I'll be right back.
Over 2,000 of you, my listeners, made the switch from overpriced wireless carriers to Pure Talk over the past few months. We want the rest of you to join us and to see what we're talking about. If you're with AT&T and Verizon or T-Mobile, your family could save over $800 a year just by switching to Pure Talk. You get great coverage, you can keep your phone and your number, and you'll save a fortune. Pure Talk is the top-rated wireless company by Consumer Affairs with the absolute best consumer service team based right here in America. Does that sound good? Well, it gets better. Right now, get unlimited talk, text, and six gigs of data, just $30 a month. And if you go over on data, they don't charge you for it. They don't care. Go to puretalkusa.com. And enter promo code Levin Podcast. Again, puretalkusa.com, promo code Levin, L E V I N Podcast. And when you do, you'll save 50% off your first month. That's puretalkusa.com, promo code Levin Podcast. Pure Talk USA, simply smarter wireless. Now, you all know Steve Moore. Steve Moore has been around a long time providing brilliant advice, including to former President Trump. Now, Stephen, you heard what Biden said today. In addition to what he did before, in addition to what he wants to do in a few weeks, this is an absolute calamity, is it not? It is. It's a monstrosity. Our country is under assault right now. And I think I'm horrified as of this, as you are. And I think even some of my Democrat friends are horrified by this. They didn't know what they were getting with, uh, with uh, lunch bucket Joe Biden. Uh, you know, let's do the math here, uh, Mark. So we started with $1 trillion that was already in the pipeline, you know, before Joe Biden came in on the last uh, bill that uh, the Trump signed. And then we had the $1.9 trillion bill that passed, what, two or three weeks ago. And now they're following this up with... Some people say the price tag's really closer to $3 trillion. So that we're talking about, let's see, $3 trillion plus $1.9, that's $4.9, six, almost $6 trillion, which is more money than the United States government borrowed in, re, in today's dollars to finance the Revolutionary War, the Civil War, World War I, World War II, and the Cold War. I mean, this, this is lunacy. And this is coming from a man who's not reading these bills. This is coming from a man who posed as a, uh, as a moderate. This is coming from a man who is now legacy-driven. And this is coming from a party that wants to empower the party. We're not the United States of the Democrat Party. We're the United States of America. What is this going to do to inflation? What is this going to do to future generations? Well, first of all, let me say this. We should not even call this a, a, uh, an infrastructure bill, just like we shouldn't have called the last bill a COVID relief bill. As you know, I think I've heard you say this, that only, what, like 12% of the money had anything to do with COVID. This was an excuse to use a crisis to spend money on other programs, social welfare programs, the Bernie Sanders agenda. And that's precisely what this bill is. It is not, this is not an infrastructure bill. This is, a, this is the Green New Deal. Mark, this is, this is you remember Solyndra? You remember the... 500 million we, we oh, yeah. uh, you misspent it. Well, this is like cylinder times 100. <laughs> it's just massive. And who is in charge of these. the uh, solar panels? Biden. Uh, right, Biden and the, and the energy secretary, the uh, former uh, Jennifer Granholm, the former uh, Michigan, mm. uh, you know, uh, the governor who knows nothing about, uh, about, uh, about Anything. energy. But uh, your question is a tough one to answer. Look, I think the, I think the, the economy, the, what is so frustrating, Mark, is, 
if Trump had been reelected, we'd be looking at 10 percent growth right now. And the economy is so teed up right now because of the of the vaccine. And, you know, Operation Warp Speed was one of the great programs in the history of America. Uh, we got that vaccine out in seven or eight months. It usually would take uh, two or three years. And so we are going to see a reopening economy. Things are going to get good this spring and summer uh, and even in, in the fall. I think, though. And then they're going to credit their wildly reckless exactly. spending for it. Exactly. That's exactly what's going to happen. You have what I call a hangover effect. It's like when you drink too many margaritas, you're dancing on the tables, and the next morning you can't get out of bed. That's the fiscal equivalent of what we're doing right now. And there will be a day of reckoning. I can't tell you whether it's going to be six months from now, nine months from now, 18 months from now. But bills must be paid. Debts have to be repaid. And one question Americans might want to think about, Mark, is what happens when the Chinese stop buying our bonds? And why wouldn't they? Why wouldn't they stop buying our bonds to hurt us? Yeah, and, and they, they will use that as a weapon against us. So, look, you know, when you, you don't want to be too indebted to a country, especially a communist country like China. So, I, but I, I'll say it again. I think even a lot of my kind of moderate Democrat friends who voted for Biden for one, you know, they thought, you know, we, they didn't like Trump or something like that. But n- nobody signed on to this. This, this true, I mean, Trump said it, and he's right. This agenda is to the left of Bernie Sanders. Uh, they, by the way, they also have two and a half trillion dollars of tax increases on American companies, American small businesses. Now, what ha- now let's go through some yeah. of that, Steve Moore, and what will yeah. okay. be the result of that? Uh, well, very negative. You know, when, uh, as you know, I helped uh, Trump put together the tax plan that we passed in 2017 that caused. <laughs> caused you mean really the uh, tax cuts for the rich they keep talking about? <laughs> yeah. Did you know their tax tax payments by the rich went right way up after we passed that bill because we had so many more Americans working? We had so many more, uh, you know, such a booming. Not according to Joe Scarborough. Right uh, well, he's wrong. The, the, the richest one percent <laughs> is always wrong. more taxes, more taxes after that tax cut because the rising tide really does lift up boats. So, look, it's very simple. If you, put it this way, we have the highest business tax rate in the world when Trump came into office. And I remember showing him this chart, and he said, this will not stand. This is not America first. This is America last. We cut that rate down to one of the lower rates in the world. And all of a sudden, all this money and the factories came back to the United States. And, and if you turn those dials back to where they were, you're going to have the reverse effect. The biggest winner, Mark, mark my words, the biggest winner from this pro- program uh, is China. And the second biggest winner is a contest between Russia and Saudi Arabia because they're going to shut down American oil and gas. And how are we going to, did you know only 1% of the cars on the road today are electric vehicles? 99% go to the gas station. We're not going to stop using oil and gas. It's just a question of where we get it from, Mark. Do we want to, do we want to produce it in Texas and North Dakota and Oklahoma, or do we want to buy it from Saudi Arabia and Venezuela and Iraq? Do you think the Republicans are capable of pointing these things out, that this is an anti-jobs, really anti-union, non-union, blue-collar, uh, middle-class uh, bill, that this is really the Democrat Party muscling up the bureaucracy and muscling up its base? Every American should read, including the Republicans, should read the front-page story in the Wall Street Journal today, where it basically outlines Democrats are saying, we believe in big government. We think the solution, I mean, they actually say this, Mark. I mean, many of the Democrats in the White House say, we believe big government is the solution to all our problems. It's the opposite of Ronald Reagan. It's the opposite of Donald Trump. It is, it is probably to the left of Franklin Roosevelt. This is three times as big as the New Deal. 
Well, what do we call this? Don't, don't we need to call this by what it really is? It's neo-Marxism. It's not democratic socialism or big government. It is what it is. Why are we afraid to say the words? That's a great point, because socialism, it puts it kindly, and socialism is a big welfare state, but this is statism, uh, because you're going to have the government, uh, for example, the government's going to build out the, they say, we're going to build out the Internet, so everybody has the Internet. But if they do, first of all, we don't need the government involved in building out the Internet. Number two, if they build it out, they're going to regulate it, and they're going to regulate what we can say and what we can think and what we can hear. Uh, That's a dangerous idea. All sorts of new restrictions are being put on Americans as they uh, supposedly uh, pay these bills. Uh, we're looking at um, a, a national debt that will go over $30 trillion next year. And remember, you know, in the, in the 80s when Reagan was president, when every, oh, he's driving up the debt. The debt was was a little over one trillion. So I mean, we're going from one to thirty trillion dollars. This story, folks, does not have a happy ending. What is the ending? Sorry. What is the ending? The ending is a financial crisis. I believe we saw. I, what I, I don't see how we avoid it, Steve. I really don't. I don't either. Well, it's look. We can we, we can stop this train from going over the cliff. Uh, Republicans have to stay firm. Uh, if there are any moderate Democrats left in Congress, uh, I, you know, sometimes I wonder because every one of them, uh, you know, voted for the uh, for the Biden one point nine trillion dollar spending bill. We will see if every one of them w- votes for this, you know, absurd two trillion dollar. The, the, the problem is if we're lying, if we're relying on the cinema of Arizona, she's unreliable. Exactly. Manchin is a flake. Completely He's unreliable. unreliable. And that's it. There's nobody else. It's shocking. We need the we need the public. We need the public to rise up. We need a new Tea Party movement, and we need. I agree. Where are the honest? Where are the honest Democrats? You know, where are they? To say they're this gone. Is lunacy. This is crazy. Well, where are the honest they're media not. types? Where are right. they? To say, I, I mean, these are the same people who you know when when we had a two hundred fifty billion dollar deficit under Reagan. Oh, this is the end of the world. We're going to back up their country. Now they're running five trillion dollar deficits and the media is cheering them on as if there is no end to this. The interest rates will rise. We will see higher inflation and eventually we will see a collapse of the stock market, a 30 40 percent collection, a correction. I don't know when it's going to happen, but I think it will happen in the next couple of years. And it's the responsibility of every politician to stand up and say, have you no shame? <laughs> this is this is outrageous. Borrowing to, from all this money from China and Russia and these other countries is going to diminish America, both as a both in terms of our national security and our economic security. We'll be dependent on these other nations. All right, Steve Moore, I want to thank you for your patriotism. Good luck and God bless. And we'll be right back. Levin, the champion of liberty and true conservatism. Call Mark now, 877-381-3811. Now you know why they hated Trump. Now you know why they wanted to take Trump out during four years of his presidency, because they felt he was in the way of all this. Now you know why they went into these battleground states and changed the laws unconstitutionally in violation of Article 2. Because they wanted to advance this cause. Trump's the, between them and us. That's, try they, that's why they tried to destroy Trump. And you. 
That's why they hate your guts. Here they are in their view. They're on the precipice of paradise. All we need to do is spend trillions of dollars if you only understood. Trillions and trillions of dollars. If we only embrace the neo-Marxist agenda. And in many cases, it's flat-out Marxist agenda. Do you know who Corinne Jean-Pierre is, ladies and gentlemen? Well, of course you don't. Who the hell would? She's the principal deputy press secretary of the White House. In other words, she's the principal deputy propagandist for the dim-witted one. And she's on Air Force One today. And here's what she had to say about Biden's infrastructure plan. Cut nine, go. President Biden will unveil his American Jobs Plan, which will create millions of good-paying jobs, rebuild our country's infrastructure, and position the United States to outcompete China. This is a once-in-a-century capital investment in America to transform our current and future infrastructure and fundamental change, fundamentally change life for Americans. So here we have a nitwit who's, what, 28, 30 years old, telling us about how we're going to fundamentally change life for Americans. Because she knows everything. She's not even the principal press secretary. She's the principal deputy press secretary, and she knows everything. She knows everything about construction, assembly lines, the oil business. She knows everything. And she's going to guarantee to us, right? This is a once-in-a-century opportunity. We're going to go big. We're going to go fast. We're going to be bold. We're going to steamroll the Constitution and capitalism. Nobody's ever seen anything like this. Ladies and gentlemen, these crackpots, this crap was written by Bernie Sanders, by AOC, by ideologues. Marxist, neo-Marxist ideologues. When has this ever worked? It doesn't work in a single blue state where people can't get the hell out of there fast enough. It doesn't work in a single country where people can't get the hell out of there fast enough. People are pouring into America, may I say, surging into America, a word that Joe Biden used in the debates. Why are they surging here? Even before all this masterful spending is taking place, we don't need lecture. We don't need lectures from people who are barely out of college, who come out of so-called think tanks, who are political operatives, telling us how America is going to be magnificent. What the hell do they know? They don't know anything. Nothing. Joe Biden in Pittsburgh today. Cut 12, go. So today, I'm proposing a plan for the nation that rewards work not just rewards well. See, we're going to get the constant class warfare because he knows people are going to fall for this. People get angry. They get jealous. They think somebody's ripping them off. If somebody's richer than they are or somebody has more opportunities than they are. You see, Marx, let me tell you something. Marx was an evil, diabolical genius. And I was discussing this with my wife earlier today. Marxism is fascism for the elite. Now, I could repeat that, but the backbenchers are going to repeat it anyway. Marxism is fascism for the elite. Now, it's more than that, but that's an easy way to understand it. Marxism comes out of colleges and universities and professors. Fascism, really, it's a, it's a, it could be a, some former general. It could be some uh, 
you know, a Hitler type or something like that. But it's just too crude. It's too street, you see, for the elite. So they have an an entire ideology that goes along with it. So Marxism is fascism for the elite. It's dressed up as a people's movement. That's what it is. And Joe Biden is an autocrat. He keeps saying, who's going to win? But anyway, so today I'm proposing a plan for the nation that rewards work, not just rewards wealth. How about a plan that rewards success? How about that? That's good enough, and you can have all kinds of success. If you're an electrician, a plumber, an Uber driver, a truck driver, whether you're a teacher, you work at grocery stores, we all have our levels of success. A billionaire, a multi-billionaire. And by the way, how do people become billionaires? Are they stealing money from us? No. Bezos wouldn't be the richest man on the planet, but for us. And how many jobs has he created? I don't even like the bastard. But how many jobs have they created? A lot. For drivers. Look at all the uh, Amazon trucks now. It's like they came overnight. Okay, who produces the trucks? Who produces what goes into the trucks? Who produces the tires? And on and on and on. That's what you call an economic system. Not, you know, this is a guy, Joe Biden... Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi collectively have zero private sector manufacturing or any other kind of experience. Zero. But they know how to run the world. They're power hungry. That's what they are. Pure and simple. But look how he creates the dichotomy. We want to reward work, not just wealth. Well, where does wealth come from? Where does wealth come from? You see, the Biden family has never rewarded work. They have rewarded special privilege. Hunter Biden's a wealthy man. He got wealthy because of his father's governmental positions. And his father knows it. He's, he's well aware of it. Same with the brother. Same with the whole damn family. He didn't create anything. He wants to reward work, not just reward wealth. No, he wants to reward his base. He wants to reward the Democrat Party. And most of all, he wants to reward his family. Go ahead. It builds a fair economy that gives everybody a chance to succeed. What does that mean? The government's going to build a fair economy that gives everyone a chance to succeed? Ladies and gentlemen, let me ask you a question if you believe that. To whom do you speak in this government to get a chance to succeed in the economy? To whom are you going to call? To whom are you going to speak? What does this mean? Why do we think the government... Politicians, bureaucrats are more noble than the private sector. It's the private sector that creates jobs from hard work. It's the private sector that creates wealth. The government doesn't create any of it. It steals it and redistributes it. Go ahead. And it's going to create the strongest, most resilient, innovative economy in the world. No, he's not. Government can't create that. We, the people, create that. Where is this going to be created by the government? Department of Agriculture, Department of Interior, the Environmental Protection Agency? Where are all these geniuses? Where are all these industrialists? Where are all these people? They're nowhere. So they're going to move the, uh, the shells around on the economic board? Take money from people who are actually creating wealth and success? And give it to the drones and the government, the pol- political hacks? 
Why is it that government and government employees and politicians are viewed as more noble and more righteous than the rest of us? When in fact the opposite is true. They're as self-serving and self-aggrandizing as anyone else, if not more. What do politicians want? Power and votes. Power and votes. How does that help you? Go ahead. It's not a plan that tinkers around the edges. It's a once-in-a-generation investment in America. What does that mean? They're not investing in America. They're stealing from America. We have got to unravel the propaganda and the nomenclature here. They're not investing in America. They're taking from the people who do invest in America. You and me and others. Government doesn't invest in anything. It redistributes wealth. They're going to invest in America? How so? They're going to take wealth from one sector of the economy and demand through a demand economy, through laws and regulations, that you live a certain way, that you live in certain places. They're not going to create the the most advanced society. You know what's interesting? I'm starting to think by the time Biden's done, Communist China is going to have more of a capitalist economy than we are. What do you think of that, Mr. Producer? I really believe it. I really believe it. I believe communist China, a repressive, genocidal regime, is going to have a freer economic system than the United States of America. I'll be right back. Mark Levin. Over 2,000 of you, my listeners, made the switch from overpriced wireless carriers to Pure Talk over the past few months. We want the rest of you to join us and to see what we're talking about. If you're with AT&T and Verizon or T-Mobile, your family could save over $800 a year just by switching to Pure Talk. You get great coverage, you can keep your phone and your number, and you'll save a fortune. Pure Talk is the top-rated wireless company by Consumer Affairs with the absolute best consumer service team based right here in America. Does that sound good? Well, it gets better. Right now, get unlimited talk, text, and six gigs of data, just $30 a month. And if you go over on data, they don't charge you for it. They don't care. Go to puretalkusa.com and enter promo code Levin Podcast. Again, puretalkusa.com, promo code Levin, L-E-V-I-N Podcast. And when you do, you'll save 50% off your first month. That's puretalkusa.com, promo code Levin Podcast. Pure Talk USA, simply smarter wireless. Folks know what a gent's ring is? Gents, like a gentleman's ring is? Well, I started watching this particular jewelry network just to take my mind off of stuff. I never even imagined wearing a gent's ring. I don't wear jewelry except for my wedding band, which I wear day in and day out. And... Uh, so I would watch every now and then as the wheel goes round and round and thought to myself, you know what, I, uh, after several months there's one gent ring I actually like. You ever have a gent ring, Mr. Producer? 
No, of course not. You ever see these men wearing college rings or rings from the military or stuff like that? The big rings, right? Well, that's a gent's ring. But in this case, it was an American flag. And I said to myself, self, why don't we give it a try? So I ordered it a couple of weeks ago, and it came today. It's a size 10. Goes over my knuckle very nicely. And so I'm starting to wear it. Now, I'm of two minds on this, because it's a, you know, it's a gold ring, but it's white gold. It's got the American flag. It's beautiful. But then I have to say, I feel a little feminine wearing it. Do you know what I mean, Mr. Producer? I don't typically wear rings with little diamonds in it and so forth. I know for most people that's perfectly fine, but for me it's not really. I know what I am, and I am what I know, and I think I'm going to try wearing it a little bit, see how it goes. I'm sure people will say, what is that on your finger? I never, I never expected you to be. Well, just get a hold of yourself. We'll see how long this lasts, but I'm going to give it a try. Now, why am I mentioning this to you? I don't have the foggiest idea. Now, over at Politico, they're very upset. They're always upset. It's a left-wing site. Every now and then, the truth sneaks through, but not too often. They're very, very concerned because, and we've talked about this, but now they've noticed. All All these individuals that the federal government has rounded up, charged with all kinds of offenses, well... Politico says, while public and media attention in recent weeks has been focused on high-profile conspiracy cases against right-wing paramilitary groups like the Oath Keepers and Proud Boys, the most urgent decisions for prosecutors involve resolving scores of lower-level cases that have clogged D.C.'s federal district court. Now, you're going to want to hear about this, ladies and gentlemen, because apparently... Well, our federal prosecutors are throwing all kinds of heavy-duty charges against these people. Almost none of them are going to stick. Because the vast majority of these people who were not inside the Capitol building, you did not commit any acts of violence. These charges don't fit. They're not going to stick. When I return, I'll explain. We'll be right back. Ladies and gentlemen, this final hour of the podcast is sponsored exclusively by AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we care about, faith, family, and freedom. Thank you for listening, and please support AMAC. And you can become a member at amac.us slash join. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. I'm Mark Levin. Our number, 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. Well, let me pick up where I left off. That's always best. And so Politico, the left-wing site, is very concerned that all these heavy felony charges that were 
being brought and to be brought against protesters on January 6th won't stick. Because you see, ladies and gentlemen, many, many of the people who've been rounded up from throughout the country didn't commit any crimes. A political analysis of the Capitol riot-related cases. And notice Politico hasn't done an analysis of Black Lives Matter or Antifa in any of our cities over the 90 days, not 30 days, 90 days of riots, violent riots that took place over the summer. They're not interested in that. A political analysis of the Capitol riot-related cases shows that almost a quarter of the more than 230 defendants formally and publicly charged so far face only misdemeanors. Dozens of those arrested are awaiting formal charges, even as new cases are being unsealed nearly every day. Do you know people are sitting in jail awaiting to be charged, Mr. Producer? In recent days, judges, prosecutors, and defense attorneys have all indicated that they expect few of the magatorists, quote-unquote, to face harsh sentences. Well, maybe they don't deserve them. Depends who it is. There are two main reasons, writes Politico, although prosecutors have loaded up their charging documents with language about the existential threat of the insurrection to the republic. The actions of many of the individual rioters often boil down to trespassing. Trespassing. By the way, not looting, not arson, no Molotov cocktails, no weapons. I describe Black Lives Matter and Antifa, of course. Trespassing. And judges have wrestled with how aggressively to lump those cases in with those of the more sinister suspects. Quote, my bet is a lot of these cases will get resolved probably without prison time or jail time, said Erica Hashimoto, a former federal public defender who is now a law professor at Georgetown. One of the core values of this country is that we can protest if we disagree with our government. Of course, some protests involve criminal acts. But as long as the people who are trying to express their view do not engage in violence, misdemeanors may be more appropriate than felonies. Yes, I'd say so. Whether there should be misdemeanors at all. Again, how about equal justice? Nobody's throwing the book at Antifa or Black Lives Matter. We had Kamala Harris. We had staffers on Biden's campaign, we had LeBron James, we've had others, who raised a crap load of money to give bail to rioters, violent rioters. Now this prospect, see their concern now, of dozens of January 6th rioters cutting deals for minor sentences. Let's stop right there. That's why the federal prosecutors are loading up the charges with felonies and so forth against these defendants. I'm not talking about, quote-unquote, the more sinister ones. I'm talking about the others. Because they want to scare them into a plea deal. That's why. The prospect of dozens of January 6th rioters cutting deals for minor sentences can be hard to explain for the Biden administration, which has characterized the Capitol Hill mob as a uniquely dangerous threat. Before assuming office, Biden said the rioters attempt to overthrow the election results by forced borders on sedition. Attorney General Merrick Garland has called the prosecutions his top early priority, describing the storming of the Capitol as a heinous attack that sought to disrupt a cornerstone of our democracy, the peaceful transfer of power to a newly elected government. And Mr. Producer, and I thought all the four years with the Russia collusion thing, that's what they were trying to do. 
And nobody's been charged with that yet. And the president's right. Where the hell is the guy, uh, the former U.S. attorney from Connecticut? Justice Department prosecutors sent expectations sky high in early statements and court filings. Describing elaborate plots to murder lawmakers. Descriptions prosecutors have tempered as new details emerge. Why? Because they didn't exist. That's why. The resolution of the more mundane cases also presents acute questions about equity. Since most of the capital riot defenders, listen to this, since most of the capital riot defenders are white, while misdemeanor charges are often a vexing problem for minority defendants in other cases. Number one, I have no idea what they're talking about. They present no substance in that claim whatsoever. And number two, justice is supposed to be an individual case-by-case matter. And yet here we are again with the racial implications, the group implications. And yet if you compare what's happened to some of these people, to what went on with Black Lives Matter, and what went on with Antifa, the equity cuts the other way. There are, let's see. There's also sensitive issues about precedent for the future, given the frequency of politically inspired demonstrations on Capitol Hill that run afoul of the law. So Politico is coming up with a long list of reasons that these people should do serious jail time, even if they shouldn't do serious jail time. No concern about due process. Josh Gerstin and Kyle Cheney. No concern about actual justice. No concern about taking one case at a time and applying the facts and the law to each individual case. Where's the article? Where's the article about how many of these people have been brought into Washington, D.C., have lost their jobs, haven't been able to pay their mortgages, some of them have been thrown in jail while they wait formal charges, Where's the article from Politico on that? There aren't any. And as best as I can predict, there won't be. And yet we have such people. And I know of some. They've contacted us. People who say family members and friends have called the FBI on them. Because they saw them in a photo. Not in the Capitol building. Not doing anything violent, perhaps trespassing on the steps of the Capitol building. And they're having sedition charges thrown at them, sedition charges. There are no honest reporters anymore. There are no civil liberty organizations anymore. This is where we are. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. 
Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. You know, I thought now would be the right time to bring in one of America's wisest wise men, and that would be Victor Davis Hanson. How are you, my friend? Very good, Mark. Thanks for having me. Well, listen, we need we need to hear from you because... You know, we're all watching what's going on with these uh, these spending bills and how they have these massive uh, uh, social changes that they're building into them, the massive growth of the welfare state. We're seeing violations of separation of powers, the way Biden is conducting himself, threatening to use executive orders in the Second Amendment. We see this critical race theory, the war on gender, the open borders, and this isn't even 90 days in, I don't think. So how do we get out of this, or don't we get out of this? Do we have to suffer with all the rest who vote for a guy like this in order to find a way to move on? Well, culturally and socially as individuals, each according to our own station, we have to speak out against it. We've been too timid. So if you're at work or you're at a university or you're in a public school teacher, you've got to, you've got to stand up and say no more. And I think we're starting to see some of that. But we have to have a big pushback. But uh, when I heard the infrastructure, the first thing that came into my mind before I even read the bill was it's not going to be about infrastructure. That's just a feel-good term. It's going to have a lot of other things that you've already implied, and it does. Second, they're not going to have any idea how to pay for it. They just borrowed or printed whatever term we use, $2 trillion. So now we're up to $4 trillion. And three, they're going to they're going to ram it through with Kamala Harris's vote or try to get a parliamentarian and say it's reconciliation or something, but there won't be anybody that will vote for it in their right mind. And the weird thing about all this, Mark, is I don't understand the philosophy they have about these huge debts. Bush ran up. Yes, Obama did. Trump did. They all did. But this is the first administration that doesn't feel that you ever have to pay it back, that it's a construct or it doesn't exist, money or that it's going to get so bad that you're going to have a massive redistribution or it's gorge the beast and you're going to borrow so much that you're going to really have the only solution will go out and kill the middle class to pay for. I don't know what it is, but $30 trillion we're getting up close to. And the irony is the economy was coming back. Mm -hmm. The virus is waning. Whatever they say, it's waning. We know that from the data every day. And we know that the lockdowns opening up. We know we have a year of pent-up demand. We know we have the Trump foundations for a solid economy. Housing is booming. New trucks, car sales. So I didn't understand the stimulus. It was maybe needed a year ago, but not now. It's just going to create a, a, an inflation of some sort or stagflation. And uh, we don't have the supply to, to match the demand. The demand is so great in everything. Let me run this by you, see what you think. I think these people now are on a power trip. I think uh, they have 50-50 in the Senate. They have a 10-vote majority in the House, the smallest in the century. The Constitution gives them a majority. The vice president is the president of the Senate. And you've got Biden in the uh, Oval Office really stretching the power of the executive order. And I think that what they want to do is Californianize the country. And that's why you see HRS1. That's why you see open borders. That's why you see massive economic dislocation they're creating, and that is rewarding their base, redistributing wealth, massively expanding vertically and horizontally the welfare state. 
they're, they're plowing resources into their base, whether it's Democrat cities, Democrat states, uh, expanding their power areas. So it's like the United States of the Democrat Party. It's not what's best for the country. It's that they think this is best for the party. Does that make sense to you? No, it does. I think what you're saying is that they don't believe their policies have popular support. And so they want to change the process so mm-hmm. that they can push policies that have minority support. So open borders changes the demography. Let's face it. That's what they're that's what they're for. And we know that they want to end the filibuster. They they want to pack the court. They want to admit Puerto Rico and Washington. And they have, as you said, H.R. 1 wants to change the process so they can win. But they don't believe that the people are behind them. They don't believe people want open borders. They don't think people want $4 trillion deficits. They don't think people want to shut down pipelines and natural gas. They don't believe that. And so they want to change the system and the demography to get to change it from a constitutional republic to some kind of radical socialist democracy and then change the demography so they get dependent people coming in. You know, 27 percent, Mark, of Californians were not born in the United States, and that's the model. That's unbelievable. Yeah, it is. It is unbelievable, and it affects every aspect of life because when you're bringing that many people in, many under illegal auspices from teaching people how to drive according to our laws or what a DUI means or enforcement of a DMV statute. You can't do it without many people who are not acculturated. And, and so California is a chaos. If I want to drive to San Francisco, I don't know what, what I'm going to encounter. When I get to San Francisco, I know what I'm going to encounter, and that's pretty bad. In that city, Los Angeles city, um, San Francisco, Stockton, they're not they're – not, viable places. The, the state has the highest gas sales and income tax bracket, and it's about last in infrastructure, last in high school um, test scores, and last in social services uh, surveys, last in business climate. So it's not like we're not paying taxes. The more taxes we pay, and you can, Reagan sort of said that, the worse things get. Because the more bureaucrats they hire, the less accountability, the more they get intrusive, they may slow down everybody's lives. So, and this is the model, remember. This is what Michael Bloomberg said he wanted for America when he was in the primary. This place, California, which is a complete failure in every aspect of the word. You know, I don't have to tell you this, Victor. You're a lifelong resident of California. But this happened in like 20, 25 years, really, even less to some extent. I, I remember when, but I, less. Yeah, I remember, Victor, when they used to say after Reagan's massive victories and then George H.W. Bush won that it would be decades until the, the Democrats could take back the uh, the White House and the Oval Office. They were saying between Texas and Florida and California and Colorado and on. And then you have the South. The South is flipping blue. Colorado's gone. Texas is almost purple. They want to flip it blue. That's what's going on. You're exactly right on the border. Florida, for now, is holding its own. But now it looks like we're a whisker away from never being able to win the presidency, at least not for, for decades, aren't we? And that's if, they, that's if the Electoral College survives. But they can change it without amending the Constitution by this natural, national voter compact where they get state legislatures to pledge to follow the popular vote. And reject them. It's illegal. I think anti. It's not 
you know, it's not uncon- it's unconstitutional for states to make compacts with each other, but that's what they're doing. They're trying to get yeah, and good luck getting the Supreme Court to fix that too. Yeah, so I, I think yeah, I think in the next five years we won't have an electoral college, and so I don't know how I, I don't know how you stop it, but I know that uh, we have to appeal to people. And that's what I really liked about the MAGA agenda. It wasn't a country club Republican elitist agenda. It went out and it said to people, we're worried about everyday middle class people. And, you know, I'm conservative, but I didn't get that from Romney and McCain. Mm -hmm. I just didn't. And people loyally supported them. And then when it came, I guess what I'm getting to, Mark, is when it came around to vote for Trump and these conservative principles about five or six percent of our party and and more importantly the independents that they appealed to weren't there and they weren't there for what they said that good old joe biden from scranton was a moderate that's what i heard from the you know from the romneys i heard it from the national review i heard from all of them and then all of a sudden on january 21st we were supposed to believe wow this guy is really a a leftist this is terrible we had no idea he was going to do this well you did have an idea but you let a bad tweet from Trump destroy a lot of lives by empowering an agenda that's it's crazy. It's Joe Biden is not I guess he's not completely unhinged. He really has it in his mind that he's going to go down as the most left wing president mm-hmm. in history. And he's going to show his former superior, Barack Obama, and that he's no longer an understudy. He got done what Obama could only dream of in four years, two years. And I, I think that's where he is now. He's not hes not a moderate at all. hes He wants to be the most radical president since FDR. And he wants to do it, Mark, without, with, uh, without a supermajority as Obama had in 2009, without a, a large House majority as Obama had, without a big electoral college win. He was very close. The country's perfectly divided, and he's saying that's a mandate to fundamentally transform the country in the way that Obama promised, but he's going to deliver. Power has really gone to this guy's head, hasn't it? He was, he's tried three yeah. times to be president of the United States, and uh, I think it's really gone to his head. I think he's – I don't think he's right. We know Victor, he has, I'm being honest he about that. Ch- no, you're you're right. He has a chip. He also, aside from the cognitive issues, he always had a chip on his shoulder. All of the stories have one theme: I'm going to take Trump behind the gym and beat him up. Corn pop. I had my chain. I went and did that. Put you all. It's all this braggadocio. Mm-hmm. Joe's a tough guy. He's a mean guy. He's a smart guy. He's just a working class guy. It's all a myth. Well, I have a heartbreak. I I want to thank you as always for your edification. You're you're a real treasure. Thank you, Victor. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest growing organizations in America. Now over two million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us. 
we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. In a world of pathetic liberal potholes, he's a truck full of hot constitutional asphalt. Mark Levin. Call him now at 877-381-3811. Yes, that'd be me. A couple of matters I want to address. How many of you have heard of Colin Call? Have you heard of Colin Call, Mr. Producer? Exactly. Who? Well, that's what Biden and the Democrats and the anti-Semites are counting on. He's a nominee to be Undersecretary of Defense for Policy, which is one of the top presidential appointments at the United States Department of Defense. And Biden is loading up that department with left-wing crackpots, anti-Americans, and people who are anti-our allies, particularly Israel. Why is he picking people like this? Now, this guy, he got out of the Senate Armed Services Committee with 13 Republicans against and 13 Democrats in favor. Our boy Manchin was one of the 13 Democrats in the committee to vote in favor of call. Then his wife got a job in the Biden administration. You may recall. Schumer will only bring his nomination to the floor if he has the votes. Menendez of New Jersey has gone from leaning in favor to being undecided to now leaning against. He needs to be a no. Cinema of Arizona is undecided. She's undecided on everything. If we can get them out against, get people to, to oppose a call, including all the Republicans, then that'll be one less miscreant in high levels of our government, particularly the Defense Department. Now, let me give you some evidence here. This guy, call on Republicans, he has said and tweeted and otherwise indicated Republicans, quote, debase themselves at the altar of Trump, unquote. He said the GOP is the party of ethnic cleansing. How, how do people like this get anywhere near a top job? He accused Senator Tom Cotton of, quote, appealing to Trump's inner authoritarianism. He accused Senator Graham of, quote, having sold his soul to Trump. Of Senator Romney, Cole wrote, this is you know, another example of Mitt Romney's willingness to say anything to get elected, no matter how reckless it might be. On the state of Israel in 2012, he criticized Israel's attack on Iraq's Osric nuclear reactor long after the event took place, and there was widespread, retrospectively, consensus in support of Israel's action. 2012, he led the charge to try and remove recognition of Jerusalem as the capital of Israel from the Democratic Party platform. You can see this guy has an issue. 2016, he was instrumental in Obama administration failing to block anti-Israel resolution before the U.N. Security Council. He even lobbied Ukraine in support of the resolution. And he's close to anti-Israel groups like Plowshares Fund and the National Iranian American Council. Now on Iran, it's, it's spelled, by the way, K-A-H-L, call or call. He supported Obama's Iran nuclear accord. 
In 2012, he argued the U.S. should not insist on Iran and all enrichment. He advocated that President Obama meet with the Iranian leadership. In 2013, he supported the notion that the Ayatollah Khomeini displayed heroic flexibility in his dealings with the West. And he is opposed sanction on Iran's ruthless Islamic Revolutionary Guards Corps. How can we possibly have this man in the highest policy position of the United States Department of Defense? And then when it comes to the border, he posted one smear after another against President Trump while covering up for Obama and Biden. So this guy is a radical left-wing hack. He's not supportive of our country, in my view. He's anti-Israel, like so many of the appointees by this man, Biden. And then on the border, of course, uh, he's all for, effectively, open borders. He's a radical leftist, and the Republicans need to stop him. And these phony moderates, enough is enough. Enough is enough. West Virginia. This guy Manchin's unbelievable. Arizona. Cinema hasn't made up her mind, so people call cinema. Again, the guy's name is Colin, or Colin, C-O-L-I-N, Col, K-A-H-L, Colin Col. This man shouldn't be in the highest policy position in the Department of Defense. He shouldn't be in any position for that matter. There's also breaking news on Andrew Cuomo. The New York molester. May I call him that? Just like we have the Wilmington molester in the Oval Office. Albany, New York. This is the New York Slimes. The New York Slimes wants Cuomo out so they can try and get the cameo in. Trust me on this. I know what I'm talking about. As the coronavirus subsided in New York last year, Governor Andrew Cuomo had begun pitching a book proposal that would center on his image as a hero of the pandemic. By the way, I have a question for Jesse McKinley, Danny Hakim, and Alexandra Alter, three so-called reporters at a so-called newspaper called the New York Times. When we talked about what Cuomo was doing to nursing homes on March 26th, where were you? Where was the New York Times Corporation? Where were you? You were nowhere. And so articles need to be written about you, too, quite frankly as you try and wash your hands from the blood that's all over the media as well as Cuomo. Let's continue. Mr. Cuomo leaned on his top aide, Melissa DeRosa, for assistance. She attended video meetings with publishers and helped him edit early drafts of the book. But there was also another more pressing edit underway at the same time. An impending health department report threatened to disclose a far higher number of nursing home deaths related to the coronavirus, than the Cuomo administration had previously made public. Ms. DeRosa and other top aides expressed concern about the higher death toll, and after their intervention, the number, which had appeared in the second sentence of the report, was removed from the final version. At stake was not just the governor's reputation, but also potentially a huge payoff. A book deal that ended with a high offer of more than $4 million, according to people with knowledge of book bidding process. How do these guys get this kind of money? I don't get this kind of money, Mr. Producer. $4 million to a guy that's barely literate, who doesn't write his own book, and who's a liar on top of that? It's unbelievable. 
I remember when Newt Gingrich was offered $4 million or something like that for a book deal as Speaker of the House. Oh, they were firing ethics complaints against poor Newt, and Newt actually writes his own books. And he didn't kill anybody. But there is that double standard, isn't there? Mr. Cuomo also utilized the resources of his office, from his inner circle to a far more junior person, to help with the manuscript. In late June and early July, for example, a top aide to the governor, Stephanie Benton, twice asked assistants to print portions of the draft of the book and deliver them to Mr. Cuomo at the executive mansion. Oh, that's not... Is that a, a, a criminal offense? I mean, that... See, the killing of nursing home patients... That's a big deal. Molesting women, that's a big deal. Asking a staffer to print a couple, two copies of your book, how do you throw that in with the other things? How do you even, even mention, why is that? I'm just saying how stupid this, this part is. A New York Times examination of the development of Mr. Cuomo's lucrative book deal revealed how it overlapped with the move by his most senior aides to reshape a report that nursing home deaths in a way that insulated the governor from criticism and burnished his image. I just want to repeat this to you, America. The New York Times is not only a national newspaper, it's the home paper of New York City and the state of New York. Thousands of people died at the hands of Governor Cuomo in his decision to allow coronavirus-positive patients into nursing homes and senior citizen facilities. The first story that came out was in the news pages of the Wall Street Journal and on my radio show, which I played for you, I believe it was yesterday, maybe the day before. The New York Times never picked up on the story. The New York Times never contacted us. The New York Times never contacted Dr. Healy, who called my show. Not only did millions of you hear it, but we also posted it on all of our social sites, at the time Twitter and Facebook, as well as MarkLevinShow.com. But the New York Times was not interested. The New York Times will write stories about right-winger Mark Levin. The Washington Post wasn't interested. None of that media, none of the Democrat Party was interested because they were using Cuomo as a foil against Trump. Dr. Fauci, he would have been aware of what we said. He would have been aware of what was said on our sites. Because his bureaucracy would have told him. And so this is very, very important to understand. The New York Times failed the people of New York. It's writing these stories now, but we're thousands of lives later. The New York Times failed to take this story and run with it, failed to conduct investigations at the time. They were praising Andrew Cuomo as well while they were trying to destroy Donald Trump. Never forget that. Because all of this post hoc reporting is useless. There's already a criminal investigation underway. It's absolutely useless. I'll be right back. Mark Levin. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. 
More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. There was an article on a uh, broadcast at CNN that there's no consensus on genitalia identity, right, Mr. Producer? So let me ask the people at CNN that are promoting this. Do they allow people with male genitalia and female genitalia to use the same restrooms? Do they allow that? I'm just curious. Do they allow the people with male and female genitalia if they have showers in the studios there, to use the same showers, do they? Is that how the hosts view themselves? So are we allowed to say that, Allison Camarada, there is no consensus on what your genitalia is? Or to D. Lemon and, and Fredo Cuomo, there's no genitalia on what your genitalia is? There's no consensus? I would say that's probably true when it comes to Joe Scarborough, wouldn't you, Mr. Producer? I think there is genitalia confusion there. I don't have a lot of time, but I want to go to Martin, Oswego, New York, on the Mark Levin app, a college student. Martin, how are you? I'm Martin, great, are Martin, you there? How are you? And by Good. The way, we don't have a lot of time. Jump right in. Yes, sir. Can you hear me? Yes, sir. Hi. Um, well, I called about AOC's comments before, and if you listen to her, it, she really sounds... A lot like the professors on college campuses. If you were to walk into a class, especially a sociology class, you wouldn't be able to tell the difference, quite honestly. Mm-hmm. Well, if she's good at anything, she's good at regurgitation. That she's good at. And you're exactly right. This is the, uh, the filth and the poison that's uh, being spread in our college campuses. And we need to do something about this. We need to stop funding it. Parents need to stop contributing to tuition to this sort of thing. Taxpayers need to stop subsidizing it. We're destroying one generation after another, including our own, because this is where all this mindset comes from, these colleges and universities. And, you know, they give us a blank check. They charge these confiscatory rates. You'll notice that the Democrats never want hearings about college campuses, about tenure, about what's taught. They never talk about price controls. There's Joe Biden going on and on about his his neo-Marxist program, but he never talks about how we're going to cut costs in colleges and universities and monitor them, despite the fact the federal government pays billions and the state governments pay hundreds of billions of dollars. No, no, they're not going to review any of that because this is the indoctrination mill that the Democrats have now. But you're exactly right, Martin. I want to thank you for your call, my friend. Keep your chin up, too. Even the Washington Post, even some guy called Glenn Kessler, had to slap down Joe Biden and his vicious, vile, outrageous, scandalous 
abhorrent, shocking, awful, appalling. I think I got it in there. Attack on the Georgia voting system and what the Georgia legislature said, uh, uh, did. Virtually everything Biden said was considered a whopper, got four Pinocchios. He lied about them cutting the hours. He lied about whether or not they can have water. He lied in so many respects. And you hear Joe, he's such a psycho, saying, he's sick. What they're doing in Georgia is sick. It's unconscionable. There used to be Jim Crow. Now there's Jim Eagle. What are you, an idiot? What do you mean, Jim Eagle? There's Jim Eagle. And after Jim Eagle, there's Jim Ostrich. Oh, my God. It's getting bad out there, ladies and gentlemen. So he has this dog that bites people. Did you notice that, Mr. Producer? He bites people. He bites people. Maybe he should bite Biden in the ass once. Maybe that'll wake the old man up. I don't know. Kind of like the dog. Not so much his owner. Ladies and gentlemen, we salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighter, and emergency person. I want to thank you all. God bless each and every one of you Levinites. I'm blessed to have you there, and I will see you tomorrow. Tomorrow. 